Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. I was talking with your pastor, Ron McManus, one of my best, best friends. As he is there, speaking of generations, with three generations of his family, uh, enjoying a little break for the holidays. And um, this morning, as normal, I was talking with your former pastor, David Crabtree, and uh, we were going back and forth. And at 9.07, which means I was down here sitting worshiping, and he said, oh, by the way, Rick, where are you today? I said, what? I'm at Calvary. He's old. Tell the people how much we love them, we miss them, and we bless them. So Pastor David and Sherry are also sending your greetings. You got it from Pastor David and Pastor Ron. That's a lot of blessings on you right now. It's amazing what is happening in our society. It's very clear that these days are unlike any other days. Now, I'm very aware that I didn't live for all the generations that have gone before us, and I sure won't be around for all the generations that come after us should Jesus tarry. But I do know these are unique days, unprecedented. And Calvary Church is in a time that you have not known for 35 years, a time of transition from Pastor David to who knows what, with Pastor Ron right here leading you and guiding you. But here's what I want you to know. This didn't take God by surprise. COVID didn't take God by surprise. He is totally aware of what's happening. Now, I know that in my head. How many of you are like with me? But it doesn't always transform to my heart. Sometimes I begin to wonder, God, where are you? And what in the world are you doing? Anybody else just have a few questions for God? He's a big guy. He can handle it. And and as I was thinking about that, I I was drawn back to a a very familiar passage, uh, Jeremiah 33, in which we read these words, verse 1, guys, while Jeremiah was still, say still. What does that mean? Right in the midst of it. Now, we love testimonies in churches. Uh, my dad was director of Cleveland uh, Teen Challenge around the nation, many different ones, for 20 years. And so Teen Challenge is close to my heart. And I've been in many a testimony time of, of Teen Challenge where the guy would send up here, I was in drugs and I had these kind of problems. And, and, uh, but Jesus saved me and I'm called to the ministry. And we clap and yell and scream. It would be a far different thing if I stood up here today and said, you know what, I'm still dealing with adultery in my life and I got a drug problem and I'm still superintendent in North Carolina. I mean, all of a sudden things would change because it was not so exciting to hear somebody in the midst of sin it's always better to hear them when they've come out but Jeremiah is still say still confined in the courtyard of uh, of the of the guards now what that means is he was under house arrest it would be a ankle bracelet for someone today who has been found guilty of something and was confined to a place and not able to move around Almost sounds like COVID-19, doesn't it? This, this, this limited moving around. I can't tell you, I'm driving around, I have my mask in the car, and, and I get out and I go to a store because I forgot it because I'm not thinking about it, and whoa, sir, 
Here's a mask, put it on. I mean, it's just, you, you just feel so out of everything and it just, it's, it's hard. We're socially distancing and right and all the good things. I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not speaking against doing the right things. I'm just saying it's different. And it almost feels like I'm being confined. That I'm not totally free to do exactly what I want. And I got all kinds of people on both sides of me saying, forget about it, do this. And and we have this whole process. Jeremiah was confined in the courtyard of the guard. And the word of the Lord came to him. And this blew my mind a second time. Say second. Now I had to go back and read the whole chapter, the whole book. And here's the story. Nation of Israel is turning away from God. And God allowed the enemy to come in and scatter them. You've heard this all your life. You know the story. And in the midst of that, God began to speak through the prophets, Jeremiah and others, to call Israel back to repentance and back to him. And in the midst of doing that, some of the prophets, like Jeremiah, had to also speak a word to the those in control, Don, Israel, the enemy. And the Bible here in Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, in a nutshell, Ross, R-I-V, Ross International Version, is this. Jeremiah obeyed God and preached the word of, of calling them to repentance. And what he get for his, for his obedience? Confined in the courtyard of the guard. Here's, what I, here's, what, here's the natural Rick Ross. I'll try just about anything once when I believe it's God or it's from one of you that are my friends. You know, you ask me something, I'll try to do my very best to do it one time. But if I get in trouble or, or, or things don't go my way, I'm not sure I'm going to listen to you the second time. And I, I, could, I could put myself there and I almost feel Jeremiah saying this. Hey, God, I obeyed you the first time, was willing to do so. Look at me. Tell you what, here's our deal for today. You get me out of these shackles and then I'll preach, maybe, (laughs) the second time. It just doesn't seem right that God asks us to do something the second time when the first time it's still going on. Sometimes being in the courtyard of the guards, the confinement, feels like prison, but it's not really prison. It's, it's kind of like what we're living in today when, when we want to move on, but we just can't. And, and the things of this world and the politics and the anger and the frustration and the tensions just seem to remove the joy from our lives. We're still existing. We're still doing some good things, but we just feel confined. And that's what I sense God saying for me to come to talk to you, though it feels like a confinement. And then confinement often allows helplessness and hopelessness to seek into our spirits. I want you to know he has a word for us today that really does say he knows and he's actively involved. Here's the whole scripture, Jeremiah 33, 1 and following. While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the world of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second, say second time. Now, this is what he says. He who made the earth. Now, think of that phrase. He who made the earth. What's a, what's a title for that? 
Creator, very good. So the very creator of the universe. Let's go back to Genesis chapter one. The earth was void. There was nothing. I mean, the world was void. There was nothing there. And God looks down and says, it's time. And the Bible says he spoke the worlds into existence through the six days and the seventh day of rest and everything that we know about the Bible. He just cared so much. He spoke things. Guys, if he can speak the worlds into existence and hang the stars in the sky, how many know he can handle what's going on today? He who has all power, the Lord who formed it, who established it, it's the Lord, that's Jehovah. This is their all-powerful God. And this all-powerful God in verse three says this, call to me, pray to me, talk with me, And I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, now for us today, the God of the church says about the houses in the city. And he goes on to talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. Verse six, nevertheless, God speaking now to the church, to the nation of Israel there for the church today, I will bring health and healing. Let me just drop this in because I'm not going to get to it today. Health is the end result. Healing is the process to it. If I break my arm, I go and have it set and I go through the process and eventually it gets healed. Now, as Pentecostal powerful believers, we know God can supernaturally do things at one moment and he does. And I'll give you a story in a moment. But we also understand that process is very important. And right now, I have this sense in my spirit that God is bringing Calvary Church through a process under the leadership now of Pastor Ron McManus to prepare you for something that's going to blow your spiritual minds. If, if you trust the process. Growing up, My dad was old school, and he would load us in the car and head off the vacation, and the next stop was when we got there. (laughs) Hey, Daddy, we got to go to the bathroom. He threw a bottle back. I mean, you know, anybody grew up in that era? This destination is all important. Now, I assure you, as I was growing up, I said I'll never treat my family like that until I got behind the wheels of the car and we headed out and Susan or one of the kids said, here's your bottle. You know, this, because I had to get there. For, for Rick, it's the destination. And, and we understand that, that we want to get where we're going and we want to get there as quickly as we can. But God is saying to us today, as he has always said, the process is important. He doesn't want you to stop and smell the roses. He wants you to stop and understand how much he loves us. That's why we sing and worship like we did. God has this amazing plan for us. Nevertheless, I'll bring health and healing. I'll bring health through the process of healing. I will heal my people and I'll let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Father, help us today in this amazing atmosphere here in the church and watching online that we've already experienced an awareness and a reminder of your love for us. Help us now to also understand the process you have planned for us and that if we trust you, We will see great and amazing things. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said?
Two thoughts, only two thoughts today. Number one, when you feel like you're in the confinement of the guard, you need to remember that God is in control. Can you say that with me? God is in control. God is in control. You see, I believe all of us in this room believe that. I can say another questionnaire. How many believe God can do anything he wants to do? He's all powerful. How many believe he has the authority to do whatever he wants to do? Here's the problem. How many of you think it always happens in your life? <laughs> See, we don't. We, we know he can and we know the power, but yet sometimes we just don't feel like it's going to happen to me. It's happened to everybody else, but nine days ago, the Ross Hasty, my, my wife is a Hasty, have this group text and we get a text. Pray. Something's wrong with the baby in Olivia, and I'll tell you the story. We're rushing to the hospital, so here's the story. Susan's dad, R.W.H. the first, Ronald William Hasty, great man of God and preacher and one of my mentors, had a son, named him Ronald William Hasty the second, junior. So Ronald William Hasty Jr., who's a dear friend of mine, my brother-in-law, gets married, amazing story, and they have their firstborn, a son, and they name him... R.W.H. the third, and so on his, on his certificate is Ronald William Hasey the third, and Ronald grows up. I get to be part of his life as I lived out there in Washington, and the fun and the joy, and they asked me to perform the, the wedding ceremony for him and Olivia, and I had the joy of being there, and there's this great connection, and we're family, and we're loving things, because we don't ever talk about the other stuff. We just talk all the love and the good things that are happening, and, and then we get the notice that they're going to have a reveal. Now, I just got a question. Where in the world did this re baby gender reveal come from? Here was mine. Hey, you had a baby. It's a boy. <laughs> that was all we knew. I mean, you didn't know until it showed up. So now we're part of this live stream, and, and it's revealed. And, and wouldn't you know it, Ronnie Third is going to have a baby boy. And immediately we all know the name. It's RWH. The fourth, and we're just going to call them four. Hey, four. No, I mean, it's not, but it, this, this idea. So, so now they're going through the, the pregnancy, and Olivia is, is two weeks due after my daughter, Carissa, who is now, not now, but she was at that time, uh, expecting her child. And so we did the whole family thing. I said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to have the babe, both babies on the same day in the middle, and it's going to come on November 25th which just happens to be my birthday. You see, it's all about Rick Ross. So, so we have this whole thing, and then that everything is planned, and we have this great excitement, two babies, cousins, and, and all of these things until that text comes and the calls come and said, pray, there's something wrong. Long story made short, through a series of events, the doctors honestly didn't think little Ronnie the Fourth was gonna live, and if he did, he would have significant brain well, we began to pray like people who love one another pray. And um, let me just admit that this preacher, the superintendent of North Carolina, knew God could. I just didn't know if he would. Does that make sense? Is that okay to be honest with you today? God, I know you can I've seen the miracles. I read the miracles. I understand you have all power. I got the theology, but Lord, I'm wondering today if you will do it this time. Sure enough, great story. The doctors are calling him the miracle baby. 
my niece-in-law, who, who is a nurse in, in this ICU children's ward in another state, says she's not heard the story of what's happened to little Ronnie coming out and giving a totally clean bill of health. Healthy baby. Why? Because God is in control. Now I can tell you other stories. Time won't allow me to give them to you. And where I wanted God to do something, but it didn't happen, and I was disappointed. Anybody else ever been disappointed with God? I, I think that's where Jeremiah is. He, he obeyed God. He did what he was called to do. He did his very best, and yet he finds himself confined. And God says to Jeremiah, and he's saying to each one of us, he's saying it to Calvary Church as a unit, to all of us as individuals, if you simply trust me and the process, I will do great things upon you because I am in control. Control is just a, it's a great word. I am absolutely convinced Susan, my wife, is a better driver than I am. But I feel better when I'm driving. Another way of saying that is I feel better when I am in control. There's something about having the steering wheel, the brake and the gas pedal under my, that I know when she's coming up on somebody, she's got it under control. She's never had an accident, but I'm just not sure she's going to hit that brake. Now she says the same thing about me, but she's not here today. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's so unique not being in control. And I, and I'm honest with you today. I don't like not, I am a control freak. Things are better in my spirit when everything goes the way I want them to go and I have all the freedom I want. Susan sent me to the grocery store. I'm going way back, guys. I know I'm all out of the place. I know where you can find that picture. But she sent me to the grocery store to get some eggs and stuff because she was going to do some great baking. And um, I loaded the car and, and there it is, all the eggs. And, and you can't see everything else and, and because she's going to bake cakes and I'm, I'm an aggressive driver. That's what the policeman said when he pulled me over. You didn't do anything wrong. You're just aggressive. I said, yes, sir, thank you. Um, I'll try to slow down. And, and when I had those groceries, I wanted to get it home as quickly as possible and get it to Susan so I could be eating the cake as quickly as possible. So I drove quickly, and here's how I ended up at home. So my integrity would be okay, it's a fake picture, I'm just, it's an illustration, but it could have happened. And in this story, Susan tells me, Rick, what you need to do is learn how to use the cargo net. You click it on, how many have a cargo net? SUVs. And you click it on both sides, I could have you come up there, but I don't have time, and, and it sticks in, so you put the groceries in here, and it protects it. You going with me? Is it possible that God has each of us in his cargo net to protect us? Not to take away the fun, not to take us out of our control comfort zones, but because he has something far better in mind. Hit me today, if I had taken some pictures of the cake, you would all say it's worth slowing down and giving up to get that cake. I didn't, I'll get it next time. What Jeremiah, what God wants us to know out of Jeremiah 33 is God is in control 
and he's out for our good. So the next time things begin to happen around you and you don't understand why it's happening, remember the creator of the universe is doing things so that God can uniquely and only in his ways bring the final product that he has in mind. The real issue today in America, the world 2020, is not what is happening around us, but the real question is, is God in control of your life? Number two, as I read through this, I realize that when we feel confined in the courtyard of the guard, we must remember that God listens and responds in amazing ways. Call to me, verse two, and I will, say will, I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Ross translation. If you stop and you trust me and you talk with me, we call that prayer. And you ask me what's going on and you ask me some of your questions. I will not only listen to you as a good listener but I will also respond to you with great answers that go beyond your understanding. Now, I know there's a limit that the moment we try to reduce God to what we can understand, we've reduced God to our level, and that means he's not God. I don't want to go there. I need a God who's bigger, smarter, all that than me, right? But in the midst of us not fully understanding all things, God wants to give you a deep spiritual sense, a gut reaction that says in the midst of me not understanding, I do understand God is in control and he has a great plan for my life and he wants to reveal things to me that would only be revealed in this process. Yesterday I was going over this and and it hit me. You won't find it, guys. It's way down there. You might, but 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we've all prayed this. If my people, believers, called by my name, Christians, will humble themselves. Notice the steps. Notice the process. Number one, it begins, healing of America begins with Rick Ross. You catch in this. It begins with you. God can't do something out there until he does something in here. And he can't do everything in here until he does something in here. If my people who are called by my name, number one, will humble themselves. I'm trying not to judge hearts but I am a fruit inspector. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you, nobody at Calvary Church here, but there are some Christian Facebook pages and social media posts that betray their trust in God. I voted, I prayed, and however you voted, God's in control. Jesus has never been defeated. His party is still in control. 
And as believers, we either trust him or we don't. There's no middle ground. That doesn't stop us from acting on our beliefs. That's what I'm saying. I'm simply saying when we go home at night, maybe it's time to turn off the television. Maybe it's time to turn off the computer and simply say, God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. And I'm believing you to do amazing things. I'm working on a sermon. It won't preach very well. It won't get great responses, but it is biblical. And here it is in a nutshell. And things got worse and worse. And then the end came. That's the Bible, right? It's almost as if we're trying to make earth so great that Jesus just comes back and takes up residence. It's not the biblical story. And as long as you and I put our trust in politics, in a party, in finances, in anything but Jesus Christ, Jehovah, who created this thing, who the Bible says got down and put some dirt together and bent way down and breathed life into this pile of dirt and Rick Ross, well, it was Adam, but you get the story. Do you understand how much he loves you? Do you understand how much he wants to be in control and, and talk to him so he can show us great and amazing things? We've got to come. So Isaiah 55, verse 9, says, For as, high, as the heavens are higher, say higher, than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, my ways. And here's the final piece. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I've got a friend who uses this phrase. Uh, I've been on Zoom way too much. I mean, I live my life on Zoom. And the collective wisdom of this room is greater than any one individual. And that's a true statement, right? Together we're better. But the collective wisdom of this room and everybody watching is not better than the one thought of God. Is it possible today, Calvary Church, that everything that has happened is under God's watch? Let me say it this way. On April 1st of 2020, God didn't call his son Jesus. Jesus, I never saw this coming. What are we going to do? He's never had an aha moment. He knows all things. He's in control of all things. And he's the giver of good gifts to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We must come to a place that says we serve the God of the impossible. We need to move from living in the natural to living in the naturally supernatural. We need to move from our limited knowledge to God's limitless understanding. We need to be, stop praying just for a healing of an illness and begin to pray for physical vitality. That's that life that flows and others notice it. We need to stop praying for a financial miracle because God has prosperity in mind for us. 
We need to continue to pray for healthy relationships, but we need to understand that healthy relationships are just to point others to the miracle-working relationship healer, Jesus Christ. God has greater things in store for those who have the faith to serve him wholeheartedly. I remind you, God is bigger than you think. Remember the 10, the 10 spies, 12 spies, 12 spies. My mind just went blank. It just popped in my head. Not very good, but it popped in my head. 12 spies went out and viewed the promised land. They all came back with the same report, great, flowing, all great. But 10 of them said, it's true, it's an amazing place, but there are giants in the land. And here were their words. You can find it there in Numbers, I think it's 33. And we seem as grasshoppers in our own eyes. Notice what happens when you take your eyes off of God and you begin to look at your own life and your own abilities, you then begin to see the giants in the land where God wants to see a giant God in control. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Let me get back to it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, that's a a time talking with God, Seek my face, that's more than a casual conversation that is saying, God, I'm gonna spend some time with you. And number four, process, turn from their wicked ways. During these last months of this process, I have been praying this prayer. Lord, what's in my life that needs to come out? What is in my spirit that you're wanting to root out? It doesn't even have to be sin. It just has to be anything of an attitude that hinders me and him and me and those around us. These are days where you feel confined, but God is saying, I am in control. Musicians are coming. God is not bound by our, to, to operate within our limited understanding. The Bible says that his very nature exceeds our highest expectations. As I wrote that down, I I got thinking about something I learned a long time ago. It was my first pastorate. It's in a little dinky community called Post Town, Ohio, a community of 80 people outside of Metropolis of Middletown, a couple thousand people. We had just built a multi-purpose building. It was, a, it was just a little thing. And I had been reaching out to the community like you are doing now to stay in touch. And I had heard one of my mentors say, Rick, do whatever you can to get people into the church for whatever reason, because later on when they need help, they'll think of you. And so I had opened up the auditorium, which was a multi-purpose building to the schools. And they did some training in there. And this is the one piece. As I sat in the back running the controls, I heard one of the the people they brought in, the speaker, say this. Expectations, reality, frustration. I got thinking about that. Expectations, reality, frustration. Every gal marries a guy expecting to change him into who she wants. Frustration. Every guy marries a gal knowing she'll never change. 
frustration. Pastors, churches, our world. And even in this passage, as I was thinking this morning, if my expectations are high about God getting involved with my life, with this church, with the process, and he doesn't do it the way I want him to do it, I begin to live with frustrations. And here's what he said to me. Rick, you've got to understand we don't operate in our world, the spiritual world, the way the world operates in their mental understanding. I'm telling you from our word, hope must be high our hope is in jesus christ our hope is no matter what we see out there he will bring the right things to pass calvary church i'm here to tell you there are some amazing things ahead of you if you could see it if you could understand it you wouldn't need god If we reduce this to nothing more than Rick and a few other people on your board get together, we do some analytical thoughts and and out of it comes the perfect pastor and they come in here and these things come only through faith. Faith is not seeing it in the physical, not understanding it in, in your heart, but it's knowing beyond any knowing that God has you in the palm of his hand. Matter of fact, the Bible says engraved. He can't drop you. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God. You are, we are his workmanship. Problem is the process. Throw the lump of clay on the wheel and you begin to move it and all of a sudden he begins to pick out some impurities. And every time he does it in my life, it hurts. Ooh, I didn't know that was there. And then he begins to shape it. And not that he would ever make a mistake, but in the picture of humanness, every once in a while, it's just not the way it was supposed to be and he begins to reshape us. And friends, I'm here to tell you, If you're in Rick Ross's control, you probably will get banged up a little bit and thrown all over the backseat of the car. But if you're in God's control, he will take you through the journey and bring you to the end in amazing workmanship. I'm going to ask you to bow your head just for a moment. The worship team is ready to come back. We're going to have a time of a short time of worship and then a response and I'll close and we'll be on our way to our Thanksgiving preparations but as I talk today and move very differently than my notes I now have a sense in my spirit that there's someone in this room and someone watching that has drifted away from God you decided to do your own thing and you thought it was your ability and right to do so. And as you've come in here today, things in your life are just not what you had hoped they would be. I suggest strongly that the reason it's not the way it's supposed to be is the only way it can be what you need is to have Jesus Christ at the center of your life. And there's someone here and someone watching that needs to respond and say, Rick, my life is out of control my life is the beginning of the mess of the disaster ready to happen and before it goes any further 
I'm going to say, I need Jesus Christ back at the center of my life. If you were here, every head bowed, no one helping me. My eyes are only open to help direct you to God. If you're here and you're in that place, would you just raise your hand and say, Rick, that's me. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Who else? Across this room. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. In the back. You know the road and you veered off. As you're watching, you can just click in the, in the chat room. I need prayer right now. And somebody will be praying with you. There's someone else. Before I go, I'm going to pray. Your, your life is spiraling. It's out of control because you thought you could control it. And you'll say, Rick, that's me. Remember me to join these six or seven that have already raised their hand and say, yes, thank you. Father, I pray right now that you would help this group that have begun a process of moving away from you rather than running to you. It's what happens so often as we get discouraged and frustrated and, and we think you have failed us or you haven't lived up to our expectations. But right now, Lord, I pray a supernatural anointing on those who have raised their hand in this room and perhaps have raised their, their hand even right there in their own rooms as they're watching right now the power of the Spirit through the Internet. Lord, let them pray very simply. God, forgive me for my selfishness, for my thoughts that I could do this, that I somehow felt that I had the ability to direct my life. So forgive me, Lord. And second step, Lord, help me to turn now and move back towards you because confession is not enough. Confession is admitting I'm wrong, but repentance is moving in the right direction. Lord, I ask you to do something very powerfully in our midst. As we stand together to worship, before I come back to close, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.